The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. In March 2019, the US and its allies involved in a coalition to end the rise of Islamic State in Syria and Iraq declared that the terror organisation had been defeated. Since then, the US has announced it's getting out of the area, but not before launching a military operation to kill its leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. In this shortcut, we look at how Islamic State came to be, the power it had at its peak and the push to defeat it. Squish Shortcuts is your shortcut to more than the headlines. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Before we get stuck in, if you hear in the news references to IS, Islamic State, ISIL, ISIS, Daesh, these are all references to the same group. We'll use Islamic State in this podcast. Islamic State has its origins in Iraq. Claire, how and why was it formed? Islamic State can trace its roots to al-Qaeda in Iraq. Al-Qaeda, of course, is that terrorist organisation that attacked the United States on September 11, 2001. The Iraqi affiliate of al-Qaeda pushed Iraq to the brink of civil war in 2006 and 2007, but was ultimately defeated by American troops and local militias. Many of those involved in that defeated al-Qaeda push then rebranded themselves as the Mm. Islamic State of Iraq, which was ISI. And then in early 2014, after branching into Syria, creating ISIS, the S being the Syria part of Mm. ISI, it then split with al-Qaeda in part because Islamic State was too brutal even for al-Qaeda. Yeah. This is one of the things that sets them apart to other terrorist groups that we know of, like al-Qaeda, like the Taliban. From what I've read, they are considered one of the most violent groups we've ever seen. Islamic State has similarities to a lot of those groups in that they believe in a very conservative form of Islam where Muslims are required to pledge allegiance to it. But what is quite different is they believed in the restoration of a state and they believe Mm. that those who don't follow along should be purged, often with bloody sectarian killings. Important, of course, is the leader of such a group. That person was Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. He's really been involved since the very start. He became politically active during the 2003 US-led invasion of Iraq and was detained by the US, in fact, for 10 months in 2004. When he was released, he joined Islamic State. Back in those days, it was ISI, the Islamic State in Iraq. He then took over the leadership in 2010 following the death of its founder, and it was him that mapped out the group's push to seize territory and declare its own state. And Islamic State, of course, has now spread to Syria. By 2013, he'd announced the group's expansion into Syria to form Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Which brings us to its peak, the topic of this next segment. Islamic State really took off in June 2014 when it took control of Mosul, Iraq's second largest city. And that's where Baghdadi delivered a sermon declaring himself caliph, which is really the ruler of a new Islamic State. A caliphate is like a kingdom and a caliph is like a king, if you want to look at it that way. He was rarely seen in public after that, but was able to muster tens of thousands of followers in the region and around the world. How many were in the Islamic State military at their peak? Yeah, fighters, we're looking at about 40,000. And how many Australians are thought to have been recruited to fight with Islamic State? It's a contentious number, but around 230 Australians travelled to the Middle East to join Islamic State and other Islamist terrorist groups. There's still quite a few of them in that region. And how many people did it have under its rule at its height? 
Look, seen a lot of numbers on that too. I haven't really seen a definitive number on that, but probably the stat to remember is that when Islamic State was at its peak, it controlled territory the size of Great Britain. He boasted a massive military arsenal and also, interestingly, a financial base, and he used that to threaten the West. When you look at the territory and where he's different to the other terror groups, he actually ran a bureaucracy. There was like a motor registry and they actually yeah. issued birth certificates and wedding licences and that sort of thing. And from that, he was able to accumulate wealth also through oil smuggling and taxation. That's all part of his vision for a government exactly called Islamic right. State. What was life like under Islamic State rule for the people in that region? Yeah, really grim. Tens of thousands of Syrians were killed. Women accused of adultery were stoned to death. Thieves had their hands hacked off. Men who defied Islamic State fighters were beheaded. Militants also enslaved women and children in some parts of the territory. Outside of Iraq and Syria, Islamic State has also claimed responsibility for a number of terrorist attacks that are close to home for a lot of us. Yeah, most certainly is, and mainly due to his sophisticated use of propaganda and social media, he was able to drive a really big recruitment network, and that network saw followers commit more than 140 terror attacks in 29 countries other than Iraq and Syria that killed about 2,000 people as of the start of 2018. The most reference attacks include a mass shooting in San Bernardino in California. That happened in December 2015 and 14 people were killed there. There's also the series of attacks in France, Mm. which included attacks on a soccer match and the Bataclan Concert Hall that happened in November 2015. 130 people were killed there and 350 people were injured. That was the worst violence France has seen since World War II. And Islamic State are also said to have inspired many of the so-called lone wolf attacks we've seen here in Australia and around the world. For these reasons and others, the US and its allies, including Australia, have been actively involved in the fight against Islamic State, both at home and in Iraq and Syria. As we said in the intro to the podcast, Donald Trump has even gone so far as to claim that Islamic State is defeated. That's somewhat contentious, though there's no doubt they have been weakened. Let's have a look at their demise. Let's start at its heartland in Syria and Iraq. How did its occupation in parts of those countries come to an end? Through the might of some international military action that you've just mentioned, but also a lot of fighting by locals. In late 2014, Mm. coalition airstrikes involving those countries, including the US, the UK, France, Germany and Australia, commenced against Islamic State. And in early 2015, the first American ground troops arrived, growing to a total of about 2,000 in Syria and more than double that in Iraq. Which brings us to the moment when Donald Trump said that they had been defeated. And of course, that's contentious because while they might have been defeated in an organised way, as we've spoken about this cells of people, there's also a lot of these fighters who are being held in prison and there's concern that with the current action of the US getting out of that territory, that there's some issues that they could get out and reform. And of course, they're across the world. For example, there are reports suggesting tens of thousands of Westerners have declared allegiance to Islamic State. So there are sort of sleeper cells around the world that could resurface. That's right. Claire, you referenced that withdrawal of US troops from Syria. If you need a shortcut on that, we've got one. Don't worry. Indeed. We've got that covered. We've got that covered. Check that out. It's called America, Turkey and the Syrian Kurds. 
Before we finish, let's focus locally for just a moment. We talked about the Australians who were recruited to fight with Islamic State. Many of those Australian men have now been killed, but it's their wives and children who were with them that are now being held in refugee camps in Syria. How many women and children are we talking about? We're talking about 20-odd women and we're talking about 40-odd children. There's more than 60 who are in mainly the Al-Hal camp there. They are pleading to come home. There's an organised pushed by some of their families here in Australia for them to come home. What's our government's response been to that so far? So far, what they've said is that they're very firm that they're not sending Australian officials in to get them. They refuse to put Australian officials in harm's way there. They have also in the past suggested that if these women and children can get to third countries, that they might be able to help them there. But with things certainly in a lot of turmoil in that place, it's very difficult for them to get out and it's impossible, the government says, for them to go in. And the government's also said that they really don't know a whole lot about their backstory and some could pose a significant security threat to our country. Just as a side note, to get a sense of the scale, there's thought to be about 70,000 women and children being held in that Al-Hal camp in northern Syria. And that's your shortcut to Islamic State. To our recommendations now. As we always do in our Squeeze Shortcuts, we give a recommendation to some further reading, listening, watching. Claire, what have you got? I have a really great article from the New York Times. Hopefully when you click on it, you've got enough articles left to have a look at it. It's a really great wrap-up of the rise and fall of Islamic State. Lots of incredible pictures uh, Mm. and some really interesting backstories of some of these people who have been involved. My recommendation is in regards to those Australian Islamic State brides. ABC Investigations has a very well done piece titled The Untold Stories of the Women Australia Doesn't Want Back. It'll take you through who those women are and how they came to be in that situation that they're now in. It's a really good one. All the links to those are in your episode notes, of course, as always. If you prefer or if you've got a friend who prefer to read all about this, it's all up on our website, thesqueeze.com.au. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Squeeze shortcuts and we will chat to you next time.